2: Your eyes tell you it's true! Shout! I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck.
3: And welcome to episode 112 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the. Let's see. This is the. Technically, our. Daikaiju Discussion episode for May 2014. Normally I say the second episode for May 2014, but this is actually our fourth episode this month because we are doing crazy Godzilla coverage, I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 Uh, But joining me here in the studio for our second half of the Daikaiju Discussion is Mr. Brian Cook. Hey, what's up everybody? And his wife Rachel. Hi there. And then my special lady, Lady Kyle, has joined us. Hi, everybody. And we are going to specifically read homework this time. That's pretty much all we're doing today is uh, catching up on all of the 51 homework submissions oh that my we goodness. got. Uh, so these brave souls have come to help me read this stuff, which I'm, oh my gosh, just so happy that I have help. <laughs> I mean, really could not be happier. That I have uh, some assistance with that, because I just think back to Pacific Rim when I think we had close to 40, and I read them all myself.
4: Oof. Oh, my. And then he cried.
3: <laughs> okay, he didn't really cry. After five days of recording, I was like, this next homework was from Jimmy. <laughs> it was not like that at all. It was totally fine. Uh, we are going to play a little bit of music, uh starting with a Godzilla remix by a man named Mike Realm from youtube then we're going to play Yuji Koseki's Mothra song and that song was requested by Ken and then we'll we'll get right into the Daikaiju discussion stuff
2: i down. A God
5: The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control The other way around let them fight
2: now hear this now hear this we have massive spoilers again i repeat massive spoilers
3: (laughs) i like the spoiler warning
4: (laughs) i'm sad people didn't get behind the scenes on that one because i was downstairs and all of a sudden i just heard everybody screaming and i was like
6: what is going on
3: so the behind the scenes stuff is that we recorded that here (laughs) just about everything all the screaming all the yelling and the now hear this that's me so uh anyway do i need to do the whole daikaiju discussion again thing once again class time for daikaiju discussions yada 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 because this is part two of our daikaiju discussion for godzilla 2014 and the reason it's part two is because we got so many submissions in that the first episode of the discussion which was episode 111 uh that was just the people around the table which were me brian heather jeff and martin i believe Mm -hmm. yeah and uh and that's not what we're doing right now. <laughs> we're doing the the homework. So uh, one of the perks of being a top-level supporter of the Kaiju cast is that you get to send in your homework via voicemail. Uh, so we'll start things off with two of our Kaiju colonels, Mike Veba and Benjamin.
0: Godzilla 2014, I give it a good solid B+. plus. Yes, there were issues with the human characters and uh, coming across a little bit flat, and my understanding is that there was uh, a lot of sequences that were cut that could have advanced the character development, but I just felt like uh, the the wife, for instance, her whole kind of first large scene that she had and everything could have been completely cut out. They could have cut right from, you know, right to him as a military guy and gotten the story going quicker and then uh, introduced her later and it might have been a little more impactful. Uh, I think she just kind of dragged it down a little bit. You know, the airport attack scene with Godzilla and Muto, where they cut away when the battle starts to begin. I understand that they're trying to hold back for the, you know, big end battle and make it amazing and everything. I just feel that when it cut away and suddenly you saw the battle on the TV screen in the background, I for one was staring at the battle in the background and not paying attention to what was going on. I think that battle could have gone on a little bit longer and then they could have cut away to the characters and other things going on and would have been just as cool and impactful but you are seeing a movie called Godzilla. You are waiting for battle scenes and and suddenly it starts and then hey we cut away i thought that was a fail but overall i thought the movie was great. You know, the battle scenes at the end uh, were just sensational and everything that I hoped for, and I thought that, you know, the atomic breath was awesome, and then to get see it twice, you know, uh, quite powerfully, was really cool. I had a problem at the end with the whole, must defuse the bomb, and, you know, save the day, and then you can't do it, and there's 13 minutes left, and you're in the San Francisco Bay, uh, not even two the destroyed um, Golden Gate Bridge and the helicopter picks him up, then he's in the helicopter watching and in the distance there's an atomic explosion. I'm sorry, that boat, even on autopilot full speed, would not have gotten away at a safe distance. It would have done a lot of damage. I had a real big problem with that. But overall, I really, 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 really enjoyed that uh, it was so far away from the uh, Roland Emmerich film i think you know as a quote-unquote reboot it did its job quite well and let's you know move on to monster island and some new creatures that would be awesome all in all a good film but you know the characters i really didn't have a lot of attachment to them so you know brought my uh grading down to a b plus
3: i don't know what mike had going on in the background yeah.
0: <laughs> What kind it, of devil
3: music going, are you playing, man?
6: <laughs> and was it going back and forth between the left speaker and right <laughs> speaker?
3: Was it? I don't know. Hopefully this will be all Just mushed together felt like one a, in one serial I'll be in yeah. Noises, yeah. Monsters. Anyway, this is the first time we've heard from Veba on the show. uh Not forever, but like uh d- it, the audio one. Anyway, let's play Benjamin's.
7: I'll admit I became a bit disoriented when the zipper of the body bag was pulled unceremoniously over Brian Cranston's face. With a great frankenstanzism, I desired to go into this film fresh, but expectation and excitement conspired to lay out this movie in my head well ahead of its release. And ultimately what I was watching wasn't it. I silently cursed myself for getting so involved in a film that when the nigh-infinite potential it had before its release finally became kinetic on the screen, it got in my head. But then I saw Godzilla himself. In one of his greatest entrances ever, the big guy almost sneaks onto the tarmac of the Honolulu International Airport the remnants of a tsunami his herald. Just the sight of his colossal armored limb through the terminal dwarfs the already giant male Muto. The camera slowly pans up, finally revealing the great beast in all of his glory before he lets out his titanic and trademark call to battle. My mind cleared with glee, and I snapped out of my funk. Throughout the rest of the film, even though some of Gareth Edwards' human character work was underwhelming, his visual prowess and respect for the monsters at his command won me over. The MUTOs were far from the generic flying and insect-like monsters we heard about in the lead-up to the picture. I appreciated their strange design and EMP abilities. They even had some personality behind their luminous eyes. One of my favorite scenes was when the two finally reunited and gently muzzled each other with alien-sounding calls, bringing to mind a similar scene in Gareth Edwards' first film, Monsters. The MUTOs turned out to be dogged parents and worthy adversaries for Godzilla reducing him to what looked like exhaustion towards the end of the film's climactic fight. Speaking of whom, Edwards knew how to make Godzilla the star of every shot he was in. He was given intelligence behind the eyes that made you connect with him. Even the scene where he was merely cruising along the surface of the sea, flanked by the Navy vessels, was compelling and reminded me somewhat of a fighter being escorted to the ring by his crew. And what a fighter he was. This Godzilla was typified early by doctors Sarazawa and Graham as an alpha predator among alpha predators, and he sure acted like it. This Godzilla fought with an animalistic ferocity, subduing his foes with tooth and claw more so than most, if not all, Godzillas before him. It was because of this I was generally thrilled and surprised when his spines began to glow with that eerie blue light. Despite owning both of the toys with this atomic ray, I was still not sure if it would actually be in the film. It was a powerful sight to behold and made me jump in my seat with excitement. And boy, did it make for a fantastic finisher. The triumph on Godzilla's powerful maw was palpable as he tossed the female Muto's head aside and roared in victory. And as the sun rose over the remains of the city by the bay, I was glad to dismiss the movie I expected to see and enjoy what I hope is the start of another era in Godzilla filmmaking. It is fitting that as the rechristened King of the Monsters strode off into the sea, Dr. Sarazawa had an
3: awe-filled smile on his face, for I couldn't help but ape the gesture. Big thanks to our kaiju colonels for sending in their homework. If you want to join the ranks of the Kaiju Corps, all you have to do is go to kaijucast.com slash support for the details. And now, on to the rest of the homework. You want to start off with Tom from the UK?
4: Sure. You can even
3: speak in a British accent if you'd like.
4: I will not do that to Tom. Okay. (laughs) But I appreciate that you gave me the British guy. That was nice of you. Having only seen the original film last year, Tom is a relatively new Godzilla fan. He thought the original was so good that he didn't want to watch the others at first, but changed his mind after hearing about the new film. After a long journey through Godzilla's 50-year movie history, Tom finally saw Legendary's new movie, and it is definitely a Godzilla film. Tom loved it. It was like a fusion of reimagined 1954 Godzilla, a classic Godzilla versus monster film, and an epic Hollywood blockbuster. It got pretty hokey, but it's a film about a radioactive dinosaur. What do you expect? What really matters is that it has heart. He normally prefers Godzilla as a bad guy, but damn, this movie made him feel sorry for him. Even the Mutos give off the impression that they're just animals trying to survive. They're not evil. Tom also enjoyed the subtle references throughout the film. The classic kaiju poster in the kid's room, the 1954 newspaper clipping, a character called Dr. Sarazawa, the Mothra sticker, and no doubt there were others. Finally, Tom liked the surprises such as Brian Cranston's character dying so early and the initial attack being the Muto instead of Godzilla.
3: Johnny says that Legendary's Godzilla is the Gamera Trilogy all over again, and that is a really good thing. Gareth crafted everything we love about Godzilla into one beautifully done movie. The kaiju felt massive, there were Easter eggs for the fans, the atomic breath. There are so many positive things to say about this film. Unfortunately, Joe's death was too early in the film, and Johnny would have loved to see more of Cranston's character. But if that is his one negative gripe, he admits having nothing really to complain about. This movie has definitely sent all films in 2014 back to the Stone Age. This was the love letter G fans were looking for, and he gives this film a 4.5 out of 5 monster gods. The King has returned. Thank you, Gareth Edwards.
6: Jarvis, and I apologize if I'm saying your name wrong there, Jarvis says that Godzilla was awesome. This was definitely the American Big G that people wanted to see. Legendary Pictures knocked this one out of the park. The actors play their characters well making them more believable than the 97 Tristar train wreck, and when Godzilla's on screen, he just commands attention. From start to finish, this movie had everything a good Godzilla movie needs. Fitting music, believable characters, and a monster-on-monster slugfest ending in Godzilla being a badass.
3: Ryan caught a 7 p.m. Thursday night screening of the new Godzilla. There were so many epic moments that stand out, Godzilla stomping into the airport and gearing up for a fight, smashing the male Muto with his tail, firing the atomic blast into the female Muto's jaws, and casually dropping the severed head. He admits that Godzilla was far more of a straight-up good guy than he expected. With other monsters in the movie, Ryan knew that he would be the lesser of two evils, but Godzilla was undoubtedly heroic in this film. But he was only a danger due to his massive size. Not once did he unleash his atomic breath on the city, or even the military, reserving it only for the Mudos. Not that Godzilla's portrayal was disappointing, he was incredibly expressive and came across as an ancient and determined warrior. Ryan enjoyed his parallels with the main character Ford as they both struggled to complete their missions in San Francisco. Obviously, Gareth Edwards and crew have a great deal of respect for Godzilla, the influences of classic Godzilla are evident throughout, but the movie was also shaped by the American classics, specifically Jaws and Jurassic Park. We see the epic events through the eyes of the average humans and suspense builds in certain scenes until it's almost unbearable. Ryan was impressed with the filmmaker's ability to create something that works both as a Godzilla movie and as a distinctive American take on the character. Distinctive in the monster's look and in tone. At first, Ryan was surprised by the abrupt ending, but the more he considered it, the better he liked it. Rather than drag out the cliches of a Hollywood ending, We are left with the image of our hero sinking away into the calm waters. With the imbalance corrected, he leaves without further fanfare, but we know that when he is needed, he will return.
5: Eric had the pleasure of seeing Godzilla on opening night. Although it was not perfect, he can happily say it was worth the three-year wait. Godzilla was back in form in an excellent way. Instead of instantly revealing their titular monster, they build up suspense while we learned about Muto. Seeing Godzilla's fins turn blue instantly got him excited for what was to follow, atomic breath. Of all the little touches in this movie, Eric's favorite was the use of Gojira instead of Godzilla, giving the monster a foreign and mysterious feel, although maybe without the overly dramatic Ken Watanabe headspin to say so. Brian Cranston was excellent, and although the other actors were all good, he wishes they had been given more chances to prove themselves. There is no doubt the nuclear facility explosion due to an earthquake was a reference to the horrible Fukushima experiences a few years ago. Much like how Ishiro Honda used the lucky dragon as his inspiration, Gareth Edwards employed a recently harrowing events in order to connect his movie to the real world in a tragic way. In short, Eric enjoyed the film both as a kaiju fanboy and as someone who enjoys film. There's nothing quite like watching Godzilla gloriously march back into the ocean after blowing the head off a of Muto. With Pacific Rim, this movie, and with word of the upcoming new Gamma film, are we experiencing the rebirth of kaiju Ega? Let's hope so.
3: Was Godzilla 2014 what John C. expected? Yes and no, but that's not a bad thing. Like many, he had concerns for this film. But we all lived through this excitement before, only to be crushed by Roland Emmerich's non-Godzilla fan vision. Luckily, Gareth Edwards is a fan and an extremely good filmmaker. The tension he built and the slow reveal was exactly what John was hoping for. Last year, when he wrote his review for Pacific Rim, his only gripe was that there was no build-up. Not an issue here. Edwards' pacing was flawless. For the most part, the acting was as good as you can get. Brian Cranston's performance, albeit short, was absolutely perfect. John would hate to be the actor that had to follow him. And for this movie, that actor was Aaron Taylor Johnson. And John really had no problem with how he portrayed Ford Brody. But when the baton was passed from Cranston to Johnson, he just didn't run with it the way Cranston did. Thankfully, he was no Matthew Broderick. Watanabe was another performance that stood out, and how cool was it just to hear them call him Dr. Sarazawa? Elizabeth Olsen also gets a thumbs up. Great emotion, and her reaction when she saw the monsters fighting on TV was pure gold. The score was just serviceable. He didn't feel that it was anything special. He didn't expect a Ifukabe's score, but there have been other composers that have managed to give Godzilla a theme that stands out. Michiro Oshima comes to mind. Totally agree, man. Uh, John doesn't feel this blah did that also parts of the opening were strangely similar to the 1998 movie music tone atmosphere perhaps it was just the paranoia and thankfully it ended there I actually agree I thought the intro was very 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 reminiscent but that was also the best part of the 98 film (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, special effects were flawless John knows Godzilla's screen time may not be way up there but the MUTOs were interesting and terrifying enough. He found himself adjusting his expectations to how Godzilla would be portrayed while enjoying the movie. He wasn't quite the destroyer of worlds and John's a fan of the Godzilla that terrorizes. Even if his intentions are not truly evil, in a real-life situation, something like Godzilla would be considered a threat. From the time Sarazawa spoke of him being the one thing that will bring balance, it was clear that this was more Godzilla, guardian of the universe, His exit from San Francisco and back into the ocean solidified this. It didn't bring the movie down for him. He was just expecting something different. Then he has a quick question for the Kaiju Cast crew, which is all of us here, obviously. Uh, Take this movie out of the hands of Legendary. Give it to Toho. They're going to use man-in-suit and GMK-type effects with Japanese cast. Could it still work for you? Hmm. And I would say... (coughs) Yes, because we've sort of already experienced something similar. There were a lot of millennium, uh, there were at least two, if not three millennium series films that sort of kind of had the same protagonist, although it was usually a woman in, yeah. in Tezuka's films. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say maybe.
5: Yeah, interesting. Uh, it, I guess it would the, a different actor in the Aaron Taylor Johnson part would make a big difference for me, so... interesting idea very interesting
6: yeah i think you're right there that i think it could feel similar to a millennium film i think that certainly if you got somebody like honda in there um directing the film that i mean that could really shape it up for me i mean yeah especially since
3: he's dead
6: (laughs) (laughs) right but i mean that's what i said like
3: honda rise but, you know. from the grave yeah. shiro honda <laughs> that would Direct-o be great godzilla
6: movie <laughs> i'd be into that that's what yeah. i want to
3: hear actually Just
6: yeah that'd be good um, but yeah that's like that's, a, that's an interesting point though interesting question
3: zombie honda. yeah zombie honda yeah, I think zombie okay. Honda's a yeah. great idea yeah well apparently john also wants to resurrect zombie honda uh <laughs> No, he says, John says yes. He says that's why he's so satisfied, is because it is a Godzilla movie, just like what we grew up with. Uh, It's been, it's just been modernized and that's what makes it work. In conclusion, it took 16 years, but the Devlin Emrick movie has officially been buried. Godzilla can be made by an American film company and can be done right. Hopefully, we'll see a sequel in the future. Thank you, Gareth Edwards and Legendary Pictures.
4: Nick notes that Godzilla 2014 was well worth the wait, but with one flaw. They should have shown more of the monster fight in Hawaii. Otherwise, very enjoyable.
3: Herman realized that we would be getting a zillion entries, so he just listed his strongest impressions of the film. Thank you, Herman. He was surprised that the male Muto appears first in the film. That really threw him for a loop as he was expecting more focus on Godzilla with at least a couple of scenes of Godzilla destroying cities before a Muto would appear. The backstory relation between Godzilla and the Mutos very much reminded him of Gamera's relation to the Gauss in the Heisei Gamera films. Herman basically liked Godzilla's appearance except his elephant feet, but that's just nitpicking. The Mutos were a good adversary for Godzilla. He thought they looked cool, their eyes reminiscent of Gigan's one eye and the shape of their heads of Gauss. Possibly another Heisei Gamera influence? Herman really didn't expect Godzilla to be such a hero. As a typical child of the 70s, his first introduction to Godzilla was with the heroic movies. So he was delighted by this, and he supposes this might bother some fans, but thinks Edwards handled it well. Just when he was about to get fed up with the film cutting away from Godzilla in the Mudo battles, the kaiju action got pretty good. They handled Godzilla's melee fighting quite well. All in all, Herman is happy with this film. He enjoyed it immensely and thought it was great to finally see a proper treatment of Godzilla by the mega Hollywood machine.
6: Tristan thought this movie was absolutely incredible. The last 20 minutes were like a dream come true, every second of it. He didn't mind the slow build towards the final battle in terms of monster action. The teases and glimpses only added to the excited and anticipation. Admittedly, Ford was one of the weakest characters in terms of personality. He and his plight were still relatable. At the very least, he was intelligent and thought on his feet. That's more than can be said about most military types in these films. The Mutos were terrifying, intimidating, and at times truly beautiful and even sympathetic, far more than he was ever expecting from them. Godzilla was just wow. What a beast. This is what Godzilla truly is and has always been. Not just an animal, or monster, or even a force of nature, but a character in his own right. Godzilla was full of expression and emotion in this film. Absolutely everything I've ever wanted in my Godzilla. Tristan left this film wanting more in the best way possible and can't wait for sequels. Endless sequels. 60 more years. Long live the king.
3: (laughs) Ian A. says that Godzilla 2014 was a phenomenal film. As worried as Ian was about it delivering what the fans wanted, in the end it delivered. It was a proper rebirth to the king. The acting in the movie was great. Brian Cranston, despite his short screen time, had one of the most impacting roles in the entire film. Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen also did a pretty good job, even though Cranston's act was a tough one to follow. But the thing that almost made Ian squeal in the theater had to be the monsters, both Godzilla and the Mutos, and Godzilla's atomic breath. The Mutos gave him chills as they were the perfect enemies for Godzilla. The way they orchestrated how they moved and their little chirps were awesome. All in all, their design was just great, as well as their own performance. As for Godzilla, this new design is one of Ian's top five. It seemed very fitting to the king. Anyway, let's just cut to the chase, the atomic breath. When he saw the spines light up, Ian leapt to the edge of his seat, awaiting to see it unleashed, and it was better than he could ever want. Different from what we G-fans have seen before, and in a very good way, not to mention the way he utilized it, he got a kick out of the female Muto's death, with him shooting it down her throat and ripping the head off. He also loved the soundtrack and can't get the theme out of his head. It fit the film quite well, and they seem to have one that fit for every spot in the film. Oh, and let's not forget that epic final battle. What bugged Ian the most was Joe Brody's death. I'm sensing a theme here. Of all the characters, he did not expect Joe to die and really wanted to see more of him throughout the film. After all, his acting was absolutely fantastic. Other than that, the human story got a little clunky at times and was barely there. There's only about once, if at all, it interrupts the vibe of the film. But anything apart from that was awesome. Godzilla was definitely an enjoyable movie, and even non-Godzilla fans should enjoy it. Ian gives the film 9 out of 10 Muto chirps, 10 out of 10 being just barely out of reach. Daphne took her best friend,
5: whose only other experience with kaiju is when she was talked into seeing Pacific Rim, which she adored, to see Godzilla, and from both a kaiju newbie perspective and a girl who's been watching Godzilla movies since she was 8 years old, the unanimous decision was that it was awesome. What they loved? The kaiju-human balance and the movie's pacing felt really true to the early Showa and Heisei films. Using Godzilla's atomic breath sparingly, and to an awesome effect, was a great idea and the movie was great at building dramatic tension before the payoff of the big fight at the end. Seeing Godzilla done right in CGI meant he had a more emotive face, which was cool. You could see when he was tired or exhausted or just annoyed at the humans getting in his way as he tried to deal with the Mudo problem for them. Daphne was afraid Godzilla wouldn't be a character in his own movie, but he was anything but a plot device. The actual fights were great, too. Watching Godzilla really shove his enemies around and whip his tail and use his hands more than we normally see really sold him as an actual living creature fighting another monster in his territory. What they didn't like, the teases before the actual fights got a little frustrating, especially for because Daphne had been waiting her whole life to see Godzilla and a kaiju fight on the big screen. There were, according to her friend, the astrophysicist and all-around science expert, not that many scientific inaccuracies. Brian Cranston's Joe should have died of radiation poisoning a couple days after the opening scenes if he was close enough to see the steam from the cooling system heading his way. And it was too cool watching Godzilla fight to want to stop and question anything about it. So the science and writing slash plot gripes were pretty minimal. They would have loved more from Dr. Sarazawa and his science lady assistant. Plus, where was our Akira Takarada cameo? Hmm. Yes. True. Very true. Cut <laughs> on on the Blu-ray is where that so we've came been told. As. Yeah. Overall, while Pacific Rim had better human characters, the pacing and kaiju and Godzilla were vastly superior. Daphne would absolutely recommend this movie to a kaiju newbie as a great example of kaiju film at its most dramatic and tense. She would also tell any diehard kaiju fans who are still suspicious of an American Godzilla film. Go. It's gonna be okay. This is probably the most respectful and sincere kaiju film an American studio could make. And it's really clear how much everyone involved cares about and is invested in this movie. Godzilla is fantastic, and neither of them can wait to see it again.
3: Brian Z jokes. So you have a character named Sarazawa, and you don't give him an eye patch? Zero out of everything! <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, though, this film puzzled him at first, and it took a while to figure out why he was disappointed, but not upset with it. The biggest things this movie has going against it are that the marketing was extremely misleading, making it look like all the destruction was caused by Godzilla instead of the MUTOs, and that it's coming out during the summer blockbuster time where a certain type of style is expected. What Brian thinks a lot of people would find off-putting is that it's not really trying to be what we were led to believe, and it's actually a big budget monsters style look at how a kaiju fight would feel from a human's perspective. It's Cloverfield without the found footage style and has a majority of its shots from the perspective, either from a TV or behind a window, but almost always at ground level. You could pretty much replace the Mudo monsters with any of Godzilla's foes and it could possibly have taken place during almost any of the Japanese films. Once you realize what it's doing and realize it's not the Pacific Rim-style action bonanza that the summer blockbusters are known for, it'll be easier to appreciate what it's trying to do and succeeds in doing. Brian hopes anyone who is displeased with the film will give it another viewing in the future with a different mindset because it's got a lot to offer. He doesn't want to sound like an apologist because there's a lot of subtle and artfully done aspects, which he feels a lot of people haven't picked up on, but for the sake of our vocal cords, he'll end it there.
4: Ken went to see the new Godzilla in its first showing in his town, San Luis, Rio, Colorado, Sonora, Mexico, Thursday at 3.20 p.m., listened to our minicast shortly thereafter, and had the same thoughts. The human element was too long and overly familiar. It reminded him a lot of Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, which Ken didn't care for. It felt like there needed to be a human villain to make it more interesting, or maybe space aliens with bathing caps. He loved Breaking Bad and was looking forward to Bryan Cranston being the main guy. And before you know it, they're zipping up his body bag, and we have to suffer through an impossible-to-kill pretty boy. Too much of that and not enough Godzilla. He also felt ripped off when they would start a monster fight and then cut from it to something else. Ken did like that Godzilla was the hero, and the ending fight scenes were fantastic, especially the use of his radioactive breath. But some super cool scenes did not a great movie make he would give it two and a half stars in a four-star system.
3: Clyde finds it hard to pick apart and cast dispersions on any movie he sees. Critic reviews are meaningless. So don't hate him if he didn't find the 1998 Godzilla film to be quite the debacle the majority of kaiju fans say it is. This is the Godzilla film that people have longed for since 98. Clyde's hat goes off to Gareth Edwards for a fantastic job, despite a few flaws in the editing process. The cast did a fine job in character portrayal. Brian Cranston made a fine conspiracy theorist, regardless of the length of time he was in the movie. Ken Watanabe's Dr. Sarazawa will hopefully be a recurring character in the future movies. Elizabeth Olsen as L. Brody was... Mm, L. Brody. Not a lot of development there, unfortunately. Aaron Taylor-Johnson's character of Ford Brody wasn't too bad to not like, though through it all, His character remained stout in his mission just to survive to see his wife and son again. Moving on to monster design, the Mutos looked fantastically creepy. He loved how the designers kept their looks different to their genders, the male with the big flirty wings, and the much bigger female to beat down the male with the big flirty wings if he stepped out of line. Godzilla's design was perfectly dinosaurian. Fat, though, not in his opinion. His favorite scene was when Godzilla made Landfall in Hawaii, The panning up of the camera starting from the foot to head was classic. As soon as Godzilla cut loose with the atomic fire, everyone in the theater knew the man was back in town, not the iguana of years past. All in all, Clyde gives it 9 out of 10 and would have given it a 10, but there were a few minor flaws. The Mudo's emotional overacting (laughs) at at their brood almost made him feel bad for the bad guys. Then, just the whole scene with Godzilla passing out from exhaustion. Sheesh, maybe he was a little heavy and needs to work on his cardio. All in all, he will probably see it again in the near future. Welcome back, Godzilla.
6: Chase thought Godzilla was great up until the fight. The fight was awesome and well choreographed, but the film isn't without its faults. The fact they killed off Brian Cranston early was the most ballsiest thing ever, as he was partly the reason Chase went to the movie. Chase also did not appreciate the fact that they only advertised the monster fights, only to cut away before it started. Like other Godzilla movies, the human parts were ignored by many, but Chase tried to accept it, and it sort of paid off. Though it made him and a few others laugh at a few parts, like when the sun was watching the kaiju duke it out on the TV, while L, the mom, walked by obliviously. He actually likes Godzilla as a straight-up hero, and this film is opposite of the force of nature many reviewers claimed. He believes that this was the worth the wait, and is incredibly satisfied. Maybe if there was a few touch-ups, it would be perfect. The Godzilla suit, er, CGI, was amazing, and a nice mix of modern and old Godzilla suits. Cranston had a wonderful performance, along with Godzilla. The Muto's acting was unconvincing, and it's a wonder why they were hired. Joking!) <laughs> <laughs> the human interactions with the monsters was great. Like when Ford, the military guy, destroyed the Muto babies, it gave Godzilla the upper hand on Hokmuto. Some of his favorite parts were when Hokmuto pulled up a flying foot stomp on Godzilla, the Jambotron's headline: "King of the Monsters, Savior of Our City." question mark hokmuto's death a la zilla circa 2004 the atomic breath be Hitting and every time godzilla's roar was heard everyone stopped screaming and it turned dead silent his favorite bits or his least favorite bits i mean include the generic muto roars the annoying bad weather and the fact it ended he is giving it a total of 8 Muto kisses out of 10. Better than the standard Godzilla fare, and overall great.
3: Amanda has seen this film twice, the first being in a standard theater, and the second in a theater that provided the IMAX experience. The 3D did some nice effects, but nothing spectacular until the monsters were right up close in the camera. She was split down the middle, she enjoyed Godzilla's design and personality, as well as the fact that he was a hero, but was iffy on the other monsters, and especially the human story element. Upon her second viewing, she found herself more interested with the characters and grew to love Joe Brody, even if he wasn't that involved in the story. She also had feelings for the Mudos as well, once she fully understood what their purpose was. They also showed emotion and a bond between each other, which is very rare in monster films. Amanda was incredibly sad when Joe Brody was killed, but he did serve a large purpose. She also loved the personality of the Muto's, especially when Femuto noticed her eggs were incinerated and she made those agonizing cries. When the two monsters nuzzled each other, the entire audience went, Aww! Godzilla's victory music added a very nice touch to the atmosphere of the film and definitely ended it on a great note. If there are sequels, hopefully... They will be even more amazing, if not just as amazing as this film was. Maybe next time we'll have more Godzilla action. Also, Dr. Sarazawa will need to learn a few new facial expressions. <laughs> His constant mug of constipation became a little too much after a while. For her final thoughts, Amanda does love this film. She's actually one of the few that likes Gino, mostly from being born in the 90s and raised on that film. She sounds so young Uh, and still loves him, but accepts Godzilla in 2014 as the true American Godzilla. He's definitely the best the American monster films have to offer.
5: Jason took the day off so he could go see Godzilla in IMAX 3D. It was well worth it. Knowing that most of his friends are not huge Godzilla fans, Jason has been telling them to go see it, but downplayed his feelings. Now, here on the Kaiju cast, he can gush. He liked the Godzilla design, but as a friend aptly pointed out, the lack of shoulders is hard to get used to. He liked the head design, and the mass is appropriate. The story is actually well done, engaging, and entirely appropriate for non-fans. As always, it seems, they should put in more of the big guy, but there was enough. In the pantheon of kaiju movies, Jason would rate this in his top ten, but probably not top five.
3: Ern sat down to do his homework several times, and each time he came to a clear and jarring conclusion. He doesn't think he liked Godzilla 2014. He's seeing slash feeling a lot of the same things from Cloverfield and Pacific Rim that made him really dislike those movies. Similarly, he had huge expectations for those films. He's been giving Godzilla more slack, but thinks that he's just being a biased fanboy. He purposefully went and read some negative reviews of the film and found himself agreeing almost 100% with the things written in them. At this point, he doesn't even want to go into detail on what he disliked, as it's just going to be too depressing. Some stuff that he did enjoy about the movie, Brian Cranston is a hell of an actor, Earn was seriously shocked when his character died, too bad the rest of the cast wasn't worth cleaning his shoes. He does like the Godzilla design, other than the toes, or lack of, that is. He also likes how he was portrayed as a character, but that's really all he can think of, which is sad. As far as the general public goes, Earn still thinks it's a good movie, but it isn't a great movie. And it's far from a great Godzilla movie. He adds that he wishes he could choke out every single person he sees posting, thank you, this is the Godzilla movie we've always wanted. No, no, it isn't. One more thing to all that are saying this movie is better than Godzilla 1998. That really isn't a compliment. So, Gamera 2015, anyone?
4: Woo, woo. It's a roof. Wow. What an awesome movie. Ron was grinning from ear to ear. The cast was good and he really enjoyed the story. Dr. Sarazawa was amazing. He didn't say much, but what he did say hit home on what a scene was about. Aaron Taylor Johnson was okay, but could have been better. The Mutos were cool. You can tell they were trying to kill people. And then there was Godzilla. Man, the king is really back. Ron loves this version, from the look to the way he fights. Ron only had two gripes with the film. Godzilla's roar sounds too robotic. Ron would have gone with the 84 roar. Also, he wasn't a fan of them cutting away from the airport scene when Godzilla shows up. They should have stuck around for another two or three minutes. Overall, though, this is a great movie.
3: Tom thinks Hollywood needs to ease up on the action hero narrative in almost every blockbuster. This time, the action hero was dialed back a bit. He had a realistically humbling experience. However, constantly having the kaiju as his keystone cops like foil, or Gandalfing him repeatedly back from certain death experiences, was harder to believe than the giant monsters themselves. He's not sure if Ford Brody is the unluckiest or the luckiest person ever imagined, but either way, it's time to cut back or maybe get some help with your action hero problems, movie makers. This was the right moment for this movie. Fukushima, saber-rattling of nuclear powers in the Pacific, unease about global climate change, questioning of arbitrary, poorly thought-out military solutions to problems abroad. Japan, a decade after the war, and this moment in America, seems to have similar climate. As a riff on current events, it seems a bit eerie. Tom was also glad to see the human drama up front in an attempt to make a decent story. He applauds it, but didn't totally buy the acting-slash-script. Everyone was in their role, a hundred percent: the patient wife, the good kid, the obsessed engineer slash father, the heroic main character, the spacey monster-loving scientist. But it sort of felt forced. Life is messier. Godzilla looks great. More than that, he is great. Not only has he massed up to proportions that are apparent, that are appropriately shocking at times, and allow him to tower over skyscrapers—that is his job, after all—we get hints at personality in his mobile face. He's the third best actor in this film, and he has the best lines. He looks like an old boxer or wrestler who's seen a few rounds, and his eyes, which are smaller in proportion than in most past takes on his appearance, show a glimmer of gravitas befitting the monarch of monsters. He also likes how the film would cut away from the monster fighting here and there, and it made it more believable that the people on the ground were suddenly unable to see the action, or smoke and fires erupting, obscured, particular points of view, and at times it was used with humor, as in, cut away, as in cutting away to the news broadcast. He does wish that the people looked more like they had just been through a disaster, as a lot of the characters looked pretty shampooed and well-dressed, considering all the smoke, grime, and monster juices. The story also trotted out the old nature-has-a-balance-slash-plan-slash-way-slash-tao-don't-rock-the-boat trope, and a no-nuke-slash-no-war no missive, and, sadly, a sort of anti-science philosophy from the first film. Even worse, they threw in the requisite, it's a conspiracy by the world government theme. Still, that's mostly in the background, so even if you don't agree with it entirely, it's not overdone. They probably needed a science consultant on several aspects of the film, especially EMPs and tracking nuclear warheads, which the creators really um, don't seem to get or maybe they think it involves some kind of magic involving dramatic moments. But oh well, it's Hollywood. Logic, science, not their business, or even their hobby or something they've heard of from their
2: friends.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Tom just liked this film. There was a lot to like in it. One of the better Godzilla films made thus far. It goes in the top five. Plenty of arresting visuals and a reasonably good story where characters, apart from the main character, did not constantly miraculously survive. It was a great first try. Welcome back. Please come again soon. We've missed you so.
6: John S. really liked Godzilla. Since many people are hyping Cranston's role, he'd like to mention Juliette Binoche. Her screen time is limited, yet she's able to put so much into this role. John's main problem with the movie is that it's different from what we were led to believe based on the initial trailers. That's no fault of the movie itself, This was not the return of the 1954 Godzilla. It seems Mr. Edwards did everything possible to distance himself from the 1998 film. Gino is sleek and fast. This Godzilla is bulky and lumbering. Gino destroys New York. The new guy saves San Francisco. Maybe that's why we got the hero monster instead of the destroyer of worlds. Regardless, John will probably go back and see it again this week.
3: Godzilla is not a perfect film, yet Mike Keller can still say that if this movie were a girl, he would make out with it in public, maybe even in front of its parents. There is more right than wrong about it. Despite Gareth Edwards' statements that he hasn't seen the Shusuke Kaneko Gamera trilogy, the story is virtually the same as the 1995's Gamera the Guardian of the Universe, the major difference being that Godzilla and the Mutos were not genetically engineered by anyone other than Mother Nature and mike likes that these creatures are primordial gods titans children of the earth there's an air of something vaguely mystical about them but not blatantly so mike would have introduced godzilla earlier more than just the clips in the opening sequence it's not necessary to reveal the whole monster but he would have had a godzilla scene before the muto scene brian cranston should have stuck around longer though he wouldn't though mike wouldn't change his fate Heck, keeping him on the film longer would have probably intensified the impact of his demise, and I completely agree. Now it looks that despite a $93 million uh, opening weekend, a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and a green score on Metacritic, one-third of the audience that saw this have left the theater disappointed. The two main qualms seem to be that the human story is boring and uninvolved and not enough Godzilla. Mike disagrees with the first complaint, but he'll meet the second one halfway. He's already stated that Godzilla should have been introduced earlier, if not shown. This was done a number of times in the 54 original. Show the Hawaii battle for a couple of minutes. Expand the Golden Gate Bridge sequence. Probably have Godzilla engage the military there, and maybe add a little more to the final battle. Having said all that, Godzilla came out of the film with an adequate amount of screen time. The good thing about this complaint is that it shows that people are hungry for more Godzilla. With the box office it has made during its opening weekend alone, a sequel is on the way, and Mike's also betting that Legendary, or is it Warner Brothers now, is going to address the concern of giving the audience more Godzilla. He only hopes that they don't go too far in the other direction and offer up two hours back-to-back of destruction porn.
5: For Connor, there are no words that capture the awesomeness of the masterpiece that is Godzilla. This movie was amazing in many ways. First of all, Godzilla's design was true to the original design and even improved upon, and he loved every bit of it. His favorite part was the first time we see Godzilla's face for the first time. That part made his jaw drop and made him actually afraid for the MUTOs. Godzilla was terrifying, realistic, and freaking awesome. This movie is definitely a big punch in the face to all those Godzilla skeptics out there. You know, the people who say Godzilla is a lighthearted, totally ridiculous, and unrealistic genre. Ten stars. Would Connor show this to a kaiju newbie?
3: Heck yeah. Rob would like to see Godzilla again. The monster action was pretty good. He's still not 100% in love with the new Godzilla design, but he was easily recognizable as Godzilla in shape and actions. He wishes there had been more Godzilla in the movie, and that Edwards hadn't gone for that closing the peep show window effect nearly every time the kaiju action started heating up. It felt like a bit of a tease after a while. The human action was kind of a letdown. Most of the characters were rather two-dimensional and not very fleshed out. The only character he found himself invested in, Joe Brody, was killed off early in the picture, leaving us us with a mechanical Ford Brody, shell-shocked Dr. (laughs) Ishiro Serizawa, and the stereotypical military folks we've seen in nearly every kaiju film ever made. Some of Godzilla reminded Rob of the Heisei Gamera films, except those movies drew him in in a way this film didn't. They just had soul, and this movie doesn't. Even though it was obvious it was made by people who have love and respect for Godzilla. Though this sounds like a pretty negative review, there were parts that Rob loved, like Godzilla blowing the Muto's head off with his atomic breath. While this movie was better than he feared it would be, it still wasn't the movie he secretly hoped it could have been.
4: Tom F. writes, Godzilla, Guardian of the Universe. If you're going to use the frame of another movie to drape your movie on top of, you might as well use a great movie frame to do it. That said, this Godzilla movie was okay, and Tom had positive feelings for it. It had some standout parts for sure, and some disappointing parts too. Overall, he liked it, and looks forward to the sequel, Godzilla, Advent of King Ghidorah.
3: Jake says that Godzilla is an imperfect movie. All of the negative criticisms regarding the human side of Godzilla 2014 are accurate. Aaron Taylor Johnson is not an engaging lead. And the supporting cast, which is made up some of some of the greatest actors working today, is terribly underused. Having said that, this is the best Godzilla movie made at least since the 90s. The best compliment he can give is that it is a Godzilla movie in tone and spirit and not a Cloverfield clone or a generic kaiju pastiche like Pacific Rim. Legendary's Godzilla is not the grim metaphor of a post-Enola Gay Japan, but the gray-green hero of the groovy 60s and grimy 70s. This was the same Godzilla we cheered on as he stomped on a screaming King Ghidra's left neck. He is the same monster that slung sludgy pieces of Hedra, all over Mount Fuji. This was not what Jake was expecting for Godzilla 2014, but it turned out to be what he wanted. The fact that Godzilla's screen time was minimal did not bother him. In fact, it made the movie seem much more authentic. It made him see the film as Godzilla versus Muto, rather than another Hollywood reboot, because like many classics, and not so classic, versus movies, a lion's share of the attention is given to the opponent, rather than Godzilla. Godzilla foes like the aliens from Planet X, Mechagodzilla, Mothra, and Hedra are all examples of this. This way we get to know new enemies, but have the knowledge that Godzilla will soon emerge and demonstrate that he is the one true king of the monsters. This approach always keeps us excited for his appearances and keeps us wanting more. The fights in this movie are perfect. The use of performers and motion capture means that kaiju special effects have come full circle. The battle of San Francisco between Godzilla and the Mutos reminded Jake of a monster version of the fight between Vigo Mortensen and a group of linoleum knife-wielding goons in David Cronenberg's Eastern Promises. Like Eastern Promises, the film's final fight was brutal, savage, and hard work for Godzilla. There are a lot of problems with this movie, but what it got right, it got right to a degree that was shocking. The filmmakers did the edgiest thing you could do with an edgy reimagining, they did not go edgy. They gave us the same character that combined Jake's two favorite things a monster who is also a superhero.
6: Words fail Stephen L. He saw the movie twice, 3D and 2D, and has no real complaints. Maybe a minor nitpick in that he wishes Brian Cranston had been in the film longer, as he was the heart of the human drama in the first half. The Mudos were pretty cool and the big G's screen time was seemingly brief, but very effective. Love the Mothra reference, by the way. All in all, the pace and timing were very well done, and Steven was happy to hear of the huge box office. Some fans apparently do not want a sequel, so Steven doesn't call them fans. Fans want a sequel, and then some. So when does the Blu-ray and DVD come out?
3: September 24th, my brother's birthday. So hopefully I'll get Godzilla for my brother's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Muto? Okay. When Kevin
2: (laughs) Muto
3: When Kevin and his wife walked out of Man of Steel, she turned to him and said, I really enjoyed that, but it was not a good Superman movie. Kevin completely agreed. It was a lot of fun, but in the end, it betrayed one of the bedrock aspects of the character completely. It would be like Batman shooting someone with a gun at the end of the movie or Spider-Man deciding that with great power comes very little responsibility. So when the credits rolled for the legendary Godzilla this past weekend, Kevin's friends and family all turned to see what his reaction was going to be because he's the lifelong fan. The first thing out of his mouth was, I really enjoyed it, but I think they completely missed the point. Now, he knows that Godzilla has gone through a lot of changes over the years, but whenever Toho rebooted the series, the focus often returned to his roots of being something terrifying, of him being the biggest threat. Even after defeating Orga, he goes on to destroy the city. During the lead-up to this movie, there were a ton of hints that this was going to take the character back to 1954. They mentioned the year specifically in the trailer. Gareth Edwards called that his favorite of the series. The atmosphere seemed much more somber like the original, and they even had Dr. Serizawa as a character. But that first movie is all about terror. Godzilla is overwhelming, unstoppable, and it's our own fault. We brought this destruction on ourselves through our own hubris, and now we must become monsters ourselves to stop it. The new Godzilla? Not only was he not our fault, but he's just here to help! Watching the scene where a fleet of ships follow him as they head to fight the real enemies, Kevin was reminded of the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon. All they needed was a device to summon him. He liked this movie and gets that it pays homage to a big chunk of the series, but they had a chance to go back and reconnect the character to his beginnings, and they sent out a lot of signals that this is what they were going to do. Instead, we got a movie where you could have swapped out Godzilla for Gamera, and the plot would have worked just fine. And the flying Mudo even looked like Zigra, and that just isn't what he was hoping for. Great fun, but Kevin's going to watch Godzilla 1984 again. That reboot got it right. Then he asks, where do you guys think they go from here for sequels? More underground monsters, mankind-created monsters, like Biolante, or monsters from space? Um, There is a rumor that uh, the next movie's going to have Mothra in it, and I think it's because From what I recall, and I haven't done a lot of research on this, I just kind of like saw, this is like glimpses of comments that I've seen. I believe one person on a blog or something said that uh, Mothra was mentioned by a number of the crew as being in the next film. I don't know if that's really anything to go off of. I I would actually say that... Uh Gareth Edwards after a Comic Con this last year said, you know, someone asked him, like, Oh, if you get to do a sequel like, do you have any ideas? And he said something along the lines of, Oh, I would really love to do something like Destroy All Monsters. Oh, hmm. Interesting. Aliens confirmed, you guys. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I think that'd be really cool, but I mean, you don't have the elements of the kaiju existing mm-hmm. kaiju to bring into a Destroyal Monsters like scenario, at least for Monsterland. Anyway.
4: They're not gonna bring that that one moth that was in the cage that they briefly looked at yeah but eventually years down the line that actually the radiation went into i actually think
3: that might be why people are thinking that Moth that's totally be what in i thought movie. too yeah someone's already made up a mock-up poster you know, for, yeah. for the next film <laughs> uh anyway moving on
5: to say that michael has been excited for this movie would be an understatement he's been a godzilla fan for literally as long as he can remember and he's felt the big man's absence from film just as hard as anyone. He's very pleased to say that this film fully lived up to his expectations for two-thirds of it. The film starts off with a slow build to any sort of kaiju element, which works throughout the first act thanks in large part to the presence of the incredible Bryan Cranston. He holds the film together with a great performance in the beginnings of a great character arc, all while we're giving these little glimpses and teases into the impending kaiju cavalcade. Then the film makes its biggest mistake and eliminates Cranston's part. From this point, we're left following a central character whose entire potential to be interesting was just killed off. There are glimpses into some interesting aspects, but nothing is flushed out, and all that's keeping the audience engaged are the set pieces. But then, just as the film starts to lose Michael... The third act rolls around, which completely, utterly, spectacularly delivers on everything he wanted to see in a kaiju film. It's honestly good enough that he was willing to forgive a lot of the transgressions of the second act, and in the moment, forgot all about themes of story and character development. Michael was six years old again, reveling in pure giant monster carnage. So yes, he would say this film is well worth a watch, both for longtime fans and those new to the genre. Is it as good as Pacific Rim? Honestly, no. Yes, they have drastically different tones, but Pacific Rim simply achieves what it set out to do better than Godzilla does. Overall, Michael would give the new Godzilla film eight wasted uses of Elizabeth Olsen out of ten, which seems like a very narrow grading scale, in my opinion.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that she was really great in, uh, I think it was like an independent horror film or something like that, yeah.
5: Uh, now he can only hope for a sequel where the U.S. and Japanese military joined together to build Jet Jaguar using the brain of Joseph Brody. That would be fun. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> That's excellent.
3: Danny says, holy cow, Gareth did it. It's been a long 10 years since Godzilla last waded into the sea in 2004 and a ridiculously long six years since rumors of a new film began to surface in 2009. But Godzilla 2014 is finally here. And it was more than worth the wait. Finally, seeing the film was an overwhelming and emotional experience and his anticipation levels were up higher than he had thought humanly possible. However, he managed to keep his expectations minimal and approach the film with only one hope, that Gareth and Legendary Pictures give us a movie that respects the character and legacy of Godzilla. And that is exactly the film he saw on May 15th. Despite loving the movie, it wasn't the film he was expecting. The previous trailers implied a menacing Godzilla akin to the oft-cited 1954 original, but the final film posited a more sympathetic creature that comes off more like the Gamera from the Heisei era than most previous incarnations of the King of the Monsters. In fact, this film really reminded Danny of Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, but this was in no way a detriment to the film. In fact, he loved being able to root for Godzilla in this movie, The Mutos are unique and well-rounded opponents for the king, and they have definitely become two of Danny's favorite kaiju. We definitely get to see a lot of them in the film, often giving the impression that they are the monster stars of the movie. But when Godzilla does appear, he proves he is the true star with his incredible ability to emote on screen. Many fans have derided this film for its lack of Godzilla screen time, but the slow build to his first appearance, as well as the final battle, is hugely to the film's benefit. It reminded him of Daimajin, a character whose presence is felt throughout his three films, despite only appearing at the end. The main drive of the film is the human characters, and Danny sympathized with each one of them and their journey through the story of the film. Brian Cranston, of course, steals the show, and it's too bad that his character was not allowed to survive a bit longer. Ken Watanabe's Dr. Serizawa is a personal favorite, and the tortured look on his face really made you feel his pain and determination. His, we call him Gojira, line nearly killed Danny with pure awesome. Complimenting the incredible special effects and Gareth's artistic directorial style is Alexander Desplat's strong score, which, despite being pretty generic in a lot of areas, is still great and works well with the film, and even reminiscent of Takeyuki Hatori's Godzilla 2000 score in a few places. At the end of the day, not everyone will like this film, but as a lifelong fan who's been waiting with bated breath for this movie for a decade, Danny couldn't be happier. Godzilla has truly returned, and with the number one movie in the world, it looks like he's here to stay.
4: Chris G. really enjoyed the new Godzilla movie and thought it was awesome. Besides the amazing-looking monsters, he liked some of the details in the movie, such as the seagulls flying in panic on the Golden Gate Bridge, animals always seem to know trouble before humans do, It was an intense scene with the kids on the school bus. The fighter jets falling from the sky because of losing power. Intense. The moth poster hanging in the classroom. The muted colors throughout the movie looked fantastic. The fighting scenes were amazing in action and detail. Chris also thought the character of Dr. Sarazawa, played by Ken Watanabe, was a nod to the scientist. You want to take this one for me? Kyohei Yamane. Played by who? Takashi Shimura. Thank you. From the 1954 Godzilla movie, as he had very similar mannerisms.
3: First and foremost, Justin was pleased and satisfied with what he got out of this film. That is not to say he doesn't have some nitpicks. The biggest problem was in the opening credits, where Brian Cranston wasn't the first but the last credit. Cranston, in fact, not being the lead and dying as early as he did, felt like we were lied to by the advertisements and the trailers. He was seriously waiting for them to say "just kidding" when it happened. The human plot was rock solid up until the point where they closed Cranston's body bag. He is without a doubt the most powerful human character in this film, but all his scenes were used in the trailers. In fact, the plot of the trailers laid out, the plot the trailers laid out didn't actually turn out to be very different from what the story actually was. It had the same feeling as when he saw Reign of Fire for the first time, where the trailers described it to be closer to Independence Day with Dragons, rather than a post-apocalyptic medieval film. Part of him feels that this was a marketing department choice, which would suggest that they weren't as confident with either Ken Watanabe or, truthfully, Aaron Taylor-Johnson's holding the lead role. The other problem he had was they continually cut away from the kaiju fights, as the crew mentioned before. There were literally three fights you never saw the end of that felt almost criminal. Sure, Monsters and Cloverfield focused on the human drama of the kaiju genre, but that's not the draw of a Godzilla film. Generally speaking, you watch a Godzilla film to see the fights and the destruction. Yes, the fights you see were awesome, but if you're in the middle of showing Godzilla and Emuto locked in Mortal Kombat, you need to show us how it got away. One very small thing he wanted to have was a new remix of the original Akira Ifukube theme. Alexander Desplat did a very fitting job with the soundtrack, but Ifukube's theme for Godzilla is similar to Superman's theme. Also, there's the whole thing with cutting Akira Takarada's scene in the film but he'll just wait for the deleted scene to judge. Justin got the one thing he demanded for in this film that he didn't get in 1998. He almost jumped out of his seat when the tail started to glow, though he wishes the Atomic Roar figure hadn't ruined the surprise in the toy store aisle. Using Dr. Serizao by name was an awesome touch, personal nitpick, Watanabe needed the eye patch, and the lack of the Oxygen Destroyer plot device kind of made him just another scientist. The end fight alone was worth the price of admission. Godzilla's design is acceptable if a little bulky around the neck, but at least he looks like Godzilla. Justin still can't quite put his finger on what the MUTO reminded him of, starship troopers or even something in World of Warcraft. He's seen that mouth design somewhere. But the designs were solid. Not sure if they fit in with the other Godzilla Kaiju, though. They need real names, and he'd still like to know what happened to the six-legged monster design from the San Diego Comic-Con Oppenheiser teaser. That was a previs thing that they just did. There's actually mm-hmm. it, more information about that in the, uh, the book, The Art of Destruction, The uh-huh. Art of Godzilla book. They talk a little bit about that. That's My under- theory about Gareth Edwards being like, oh, I need to do something for Comic-Con, and then just like yeah. whipping it out is not true. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> All in all, 8 out of 10, it doesn't replace his love for the Heisei series, but Justin found it worthy. Pacific Rim probably still passes in terms of a completely enjoyable experience, but he will have to sit in reflection a bit more before deciding how this Godzilla ranks against other kaiju films as part of the series. At the moment, he'd hold it around the middle of the list between top 20 and 15.
6: Alex says that Gareth Edwards' new Godzilla is a flawed but welcome success. We're given a fairly engaging cast, story, and spectacle that rivals and and in some ways exceeds Toho's own accomplishments. One thing in particular that stood out is how many elements of the franchise's history are present. Godzilla is a god, an anti-hero, a menace, and an outright savior savior of humanity— In a lot of ways, it's not just a solid individual entry, but a carefully constructed anniversary film as well. The film is not without flaws, however, as a number of script and story elements seem a lot messier than they should, given the time available. There have also been complaints about the lack of Godzilla, and while he understands what Edwards was doing... Alex would have loved to have seen a little more Godzilla in the Godzilla movie and less Muto with guest appearances by Godzilla. Still, the time spent on the Muto have given us two of the most memorable and well-executed kaiju since 1975's Titanosaurus. Godzilla is a fine rebirth for the franchise, but I'm far more interested to see what comes next. Hopefully, the giant condor and Godzuki, because that's what a Godzilla fan would want, probably.
3: The new Godzilla movie is very much what Matt and his dog Ashley wanted to see with a healthy dose of things they didn't want to see. By the way, I met Matt at oh. uh, San Jose's Big Wow Comics Fest.
6: Did he bring Ashley?
3: No, Ashley oh. was not there. But I did ask him how <laughs> Ashley was doing, and he said right
6: fine. on. Yay. <laughs> yeah.
3: Anyway, the effects are great. Godzilla's atomic breath looks fantastic. The main fight in the city is satisfying and felt very real, though he'd be happier with longer blocks of fighting, uninterrupted by cutting to our main characters, who he didn't feel at all connected to. But there's something he'd like to see in the sequel that isn't in this movie. In this Godzilla... The people and the monsters are entirely antagonistic. But looking back at past movies such as Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster or Son of Godzilla or even Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, the people in those movies have a healthy respect for our hero but aren't consumed by terror. They have stories of their own to deal with which run parallel to that of the monsters, which can make for a more complex and interesting story. But this Godzilla movie needed to make a big splash and consequently chose a very confrontational mode of interaction with its greater potential for a big emotional impact. Matt would like the next movie to not be afraid to have a little fun. This movie is as serious as a heart attack. Overall, he's happy with it, though he'd have liked to see more adventure and less disaster.
5: Nick has come to the conclusion that nobody will make the Godzilla movie he wants to see. He knows that sounds like a selfish statement, but he believed Gareth Edwards was making a movie about Godzilla, the monster, not the hero. When you say that you're bringing Godzilla back to his 1954 roots, we expect him to be a menace, that which everyone fears. A living, breathing nuclear nightmare. All indications leading up to this movie said that that was what we were getting. To include the Robert Oppenheimer speech about Now I am become Death, the Destroyer of Worlds, to your first teaser trailer, set a specific tone. They never really wavered from that tone in the following trailers. He really believed Edwards was making the movie Nick, long- Nick longed for. In the end, Edwards simply didn't do that. Godzilla didn't wear a cape or have a big G on his chest in this movie, but he might as well have. Godzilla can be made scary. Why does it seem to be so hard for people to do that? If Nick had gone into the new movie knowing we were getting Hero Godzilla, he's sure he would have enjoyed it more. Being led to believe it was going to be something else really ruined it, and his disappointment is colossal.
3: Before seeing the movie, Jim had a discussion about what makes Godzilla what he is with fellow KaijuCast listener Tom Fitch, after listening to our commentary on Gino. We seem to be wrapped up in Gino's behavior instead of what Jim thought was the most egregious mistake, his design. So which defines Godzilla, his behavior or his design? Of course, both are necessary, but if you have to pick, Tom and Jim both agreed that it is the design. There are so many Japanese kaiju that do what Godzilla does, show up, destroy, fight monsters and resist all military attacks, but the design of Godzilla is entirely unique. There is not another creature designed like he is. Before seeing the new movie, he scoured the net every day looking for clips, pictures, stories, anything. All of the leaked footage he saw was surmised that the new incarnation was 65% Godzilla, 35% not so much. But after seeing this movie, this was Godzilla, like 90%. His behavior was a factor in coming to this conclusion. The movie is very good but falls short of great The first two-thirds come off as something that resembles the original 54-in tone, but the last third is more like the 1974 Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, both of which Jim loves, but aren't necessarily meant to be mixed together. Jim liked that this new Godzilla looks more like our Godzilla than from the pictures of him online. Legendary was really respectful to the character. Some scenes seem like they were lifted right out of some Toho Godzilla movies, The fight scenes were nicely choreographed. The ending was like a Toho Showa series movie. Plus, it was not an overly fatiguing eye candy spectacle. Teasing Godzilla worked very well. Some of the not-so-great stuff included making Godzilla a hero. He avoided hurting humans. There was even a moment where he and Brody made eye contact. Godzilla was weaker than his Japanese counterpart. Down for the count by a fallen building, huh? Same thing happened in 1992 and in Godzilla 2000, and Godzilla was only down for a few minutes, and the cheesy horn section being used when he was victorious sounded like a 1990 video game soundtrack. Jim could have used just 30 seconds more of fighting, and that's it. Of course, he might change all of this on his subsequent viewings.
4: John K. was absolutely thrilled by Legendary's Godzilla, and had some observations for discussion. During the discovery of the muto in the fossilized ribcage under the mine, since they were theorized to be kaiju parasites, and that ribcage was snake-like and extended for miles, John immediately thought of Manda. Later, in the nest, in the U.S., he thought he saw the fossilized skull of another kaiju embedded in the floor. The profile of the skull looked a lot like Anguirus. Perhaps? He loved the battles between the mutos and the king. But was it just him, or did Godzilla really looked exhausted as he slipped into the harbor at the end. John, here's a sequel has been announced. Can the era of American kaiju films be dawning? He sure hopes so. Jamie's
3: long years of waiting were well worth it. This Godzilla was Godzilla through and through. If anything, this remake was a fantastic homage to the original in terms of mood, setting, and the idea that humanity is small and tiny in comparison to the power of Mother Nature herself. He liked the plot wherein we are given Godzilla's role in our world and that we should step out of the way lest we get trampled on or make things worse. Godzilla and the MUTOs looked absolutely amazing and were not brainless in their actions. The two MUTOs did some good tag team action on the Big G and Godzilla himself even used the environment about him to fight them. The human drama helped invest the audience in the movie with Brian Cranston and Ken Watanabe doing much of the heavy lifting. His one major complaint was that there was not enough monster action and too much time spent on Ford Brody. He wasn't supposed to be the star of this movie. Godzilla was. Finally, that soundtrack was great and it easily conjured up the image of Godzilla. Oh, one more thing. Best Breath Attack finisher ever. Jamie would totally show this to a newcomer and he's happy to hear a sequel is in the works.
6: Gary and his son Kyle kept their review of Godzilla 2014 simple. Thank you, Gareth Edwards. Thank you.
3: Bill really enjoyed the new Godzilla film. It's the kind of Godzilla movie he would have made if he had talent and $150 million. He enjoyed the journey of the human characters, and there was enough kaiju action to keep things moving. He thought the Big G was rendered perfectly, and at times it felt like a Toho film. Godzilla even walks away into the ocean at the end. Bill loved it. There are a couple of scenes he would have changed. The tsunami scene seemed too graphic and gratuitous, and he would have cut the train-slash-bridge scene. Other than that, he was really impressed. He's glad the film is doing well, but partly wishes that this would be the last Godzilla film. What a great way to end the series on such a high note. Shameless plug. For more comments, check out Bill's appearance on this week's Horror Etc. Podcast with Anthony Mann. And I'll have a link in the show notes to that.
5: Paul says that this latest Godzilla film is a really good movie and a huge improvement over the 1998 film. He was really impressed with how Godzilla looked throughout the entire film. While he, like probably all hardcore Godzilla fans, wanted to see more monster-on-monster action, the main storyline is well-paced. The parallel human storyline is solid but unspectacular.
3: In short, Jared loved Godzilla 2014. It would be in his top 10 Godzilla films. The primary reason? If there was one word modern Hollywood does not have in his vocabulary, it's restraint. And summer blockbusters are the biggest offenders. Looking at you, man of steel. That's why Gareth Edwards' Godzilla was so successful. Restraint. It's what Gareth Edwards himself calls cinematic foreplay. The Spielbergian influences also really did it for Jared. From the Brody family name, a la Jaws. Right, Brian? That is right. To the Jurassic Park references, such as the window wiping on the Golden Gate Bridge. Also, the kaiju word, to put it bluntly, badass. The way they moved, the way they behaved, especially the fight scenes, just really worked. Godzilla's sheer size, primal way of fighting, and dat atomic breath. We're nothing short of majestic. He still hasn't come to terms with how heroic the final scenes make the big G out to be, but he loves the indifference the kaiju had regarding humans. The constant futility of the military, the sheer insignificance of humanity, etc. really added to the notion of Godzilla being a force of nature that probably doesn't even regard humans any more than we would regard ants. Now that Gareth Edwards has proven his technical prowess, Jared feels like he only has one way to go with the sequels. Up.
4: After seeing the film on opening night, Danny M. was slightly disappointed. We were told Godzilla was going to be a terrifying force of nature, when ultimately, the MUTOs were more aptly fitted to that role. Most of the destruction he saw in the trailers turned out to be MUTO-caused damage. However, after second viewing, he fully enjoyed it. Seeing Godzilla protecting his turf while unknowingly saving mankind reminded him of the Shusuke Kaneko Gamera films. As a New Orleans native, Danny recognized the hurricane references, the projected paths, evacuation routes, referring to the monster's landfall, the gathering of the injured in the stadium, etc. On a side note, he's proud to say he actually beat Godzilla and Pacific Rim to a few hurricane references. Last summer, he was trying to apply for a weatherman's job in New Orleans, which wanted a reel of previous entertaining weather reports. With no on-air experience, Danny filmed his own. It was a hurricane warning, but with kaiju instead. He didn't get the job, but he put the video on his YouTube page. There will be a link in the show notes to his video.
3: There certainly will. And I think we're going to play the audio from it at the end of the episode, too. (laughs) know. Robert liked Godzilla the second time around, when he could just watch it knowing what to expect. The first time he saw it, he was shocked at Brian Cranston's early death and the lack of Godzilla in the first half of the movie. Watching it again, Robert was able to get into the story of Ford and El Brody, finding their story well-acted and heartfelt. But overall, Godzilla's performance was the best. Every time he hit the screen, everyone in the theater was cheering and clapping, including Robert. Godzilla's fights were so incredible, it's just a shame that we couldn't see more of the Hawaii fight or the beginning of the California brawl. I like that the California brawl. (laughs) Okay. And when he finishes off the final Muto, wow, there is no scene that is quite as awesome in any other Godzilla movie. Well done, Mr. Edwards. Robert looks forward to the sequel.
6: Dan says that the 2014 version of Godzilla is an excellent successor to the throne for the King of Monsters. Gareth Edwards has proven that a successful Godzilla movie can be made out of outside of Japan if people care enough about their product to do so. The movie keeps the same theme that made the original movie so hauntingly enticing to the viewers. Edwards and his crew have successfully transferred those themes to a modern setting. The characters are enjoyable on an ensemble level, each adding their own part to the story, but not overpowering. The main character of Godzilla himself is shown as a towering, powerful presence that attracts the audience's attention whenever and wherever he is seen. The MUTOs are a delightfully new creation that proves that creativity in monster design is not dead. Overall, Dan feels that Godzilla is the perfect way to start this season of summer blockbusters.
3: Harold knows we received a ton of homework for this film, so he's keeping it short and asking questions with his two thoughts. The Mothra inclusion in the movie was pretty obvious. Were there any other things in the movie that called back to previous Godzilla films? For Harold, there were two. First off, when Godzilla's tail comes rising out of the water, it called back his first appearance in Godzilla vs. Mothra, where he comes out of the ground. Secondly, and probably not intended by the director... When Godzilla comes up in San Francisco, he causes the ships to list, and for some reason, they shoot their missiles, which wildly miss and hit the bridge. For Harold, this was a callback to the Japanese military in general because they had terrible aim when attacking Godzilla. They do almost as much damage as the monsters do in Destroy All Monsters. I would say they do way more damage than the monsters (laughs) do in Destroy All Monsters. Ian just got home from seeing the legendary
5: Godzilla. If waiting ten years to get a good Godzilla movie is a long time, it was time well spent. The whole film had the classic Toho feel to it. The war between Godzilla and the Mudos was spot on, as it did not detract from the very much human-driven story. If Honda and Surabaya had CGI back in 1954, this would be a movie they would have seemingly made. Ian sees the MUTOs as more queen and drone than the male-female that the film tried to make out. And the surprise attack when Godzilla finally decides to unleash his breath weapon was perfect with the lighting starting at the tip of his tail and traveling up the length of his body before damaging the female queen, MUTO.
3: 10 out of 10 Godzillas. Robin had a great time watching Godzilla and really enjoyed the movie. That being said, it was not the greatest movie of all time. His biggest gripe with the film must have been the human plot. He didn't care about them, and Ford and his wife were the least exciting portion of the film, which kind of sucks, seeing as how Ford was the main protagonist. Another thing that stuck out was that although none of the humans in the film ever did anything that amounted to much, the three key female players in the movie either died instantly, wept at home, or were a mute sidekick, secretary, in the background. It's 2014. Can we please have a hero who's not a He-Man McWhiteson? Robin kept wishing for more of Dr. Sarazawa. He and Vivian Graham should have been the focus instead of Ford because he found them much more appealing and wanted to learn more about their characters. It was great how the movie's titles opened up with teasing glimpses of Godzilla from old footage, giving us a small taste of things to come. The wait for Godzilla would have been a lot more unbearable if that hadn't been in there, He also enjoyed the scene where they explained his origin as a prehistoric creature feeding off radiation. It felt like a nice dose of old school movie science nonsense done right. And it gave the monsters a respectful background as actually being part of the giant creatures they were instead of some irradiated mutant codfish or iguana who just happened to grow really big overnight because of pollution. The monsters, especially Godzilla, looked great. He loved how Godzilla and the military moved around like a single strike team, and Godzilla's plates sticking up out of the water, surrounded by all those ships, made for some beautiful imagery. It was like some Saturday morning cartoon on steroids, and Godzilla was a total hero. He wished the MUTOs had gotten actual individual names instead of just an acronym. The scene where the MUTOs snuggled, (laughs) and that's where he had like a, a heart emoticon. Uh, and the scene where the mother Muto is devastated because some jerk hole has killed off her babies Robin liked how they gave the monsters personality and made him feel sorry for them though taking away some of the sweet taste of Godzilla's victory great stuff and that kiss of death at the end so good there could have been more monsters and less people but it was really entertaining and Robin would love to see the sequel done right bye bye (laughs) We're finished. (laughs) Thank you guys for writing in your homework. That was, uh, what did I say? 51. Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm. Total.
3: That's 51 total submissions before the deadline. And I absolutely utilized the deadline. We got some in after that. So I'm really sorry you guys missed the deadline, but that's why I say it uh, for every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we're going to move on with the show. (laughs) We are going to take a little tiny break. We are going to play the main title track from Godzilla, Mothra King Ghidra. That is a request from Clyde. So there's one thing i forgot to mention at the end of the daikaiju discussion segment uh which is just one of our housekeeping items i guess i should just say and that is that our next daikaiju discussion film for june 2014 is the 1967 shochiku kaiju film the x from outer space now i believe it's called uchu kaiju Girara which is the japanese title we are going to be watching the dub though because mm-hmm. the dub is pretty pretty glorious it's, it's awesome. a you know this is one of those movies it kind of like falls under the kind of bad films but it's got some really good stuff in it especially like gappa it's a singular kaiju film from a studio that didn't make anything else like that so mm-hmm. we'll be watching that uh if you want to contribute to that make sure you send your thoughts questions and reviews into the Kaijucast before June 22nd so that is your deadline to get your homework in uh just go to the contact page on kaijucast.com and there's a drop down menu for the Die kaiju discussion submission when you send us an email so i look forward to hearing your thoughts questions and reviews in the form of homework now, just a couple of little things, housekeeping wise, catastrophic events, actually, is what I should be saying. We have some events going on. Namely, Godzilla Night 3 is happening at the end of June. June 28th is uh is the date for that. That will be in San Leandro, California, at the historic Bow Theater. They're gonna be showing Godzilla versus Biolante. They're going to have Big Pimp Jones playing something, which sounds like it's gonna be kind of awesome. I may have had a hand in uh, suggesting this performance to Mr. Keith Foster, and I am really hoping that I get a well-shot video of that performance because it could be really cool. Think Godzilla music, funkified a little bit, maybe metalized a little bit.
6: Yes. Okay.
3: And But the funk... The funk ingredient is necessary. I, I'm okay. down with right. funk as well. Okay. I'm
6: just a really big fan of metal, though.
3: And uh, and then set to uh, set to some some video footage behind. So I'm not sure if that's oh, going to happen. Yes. How that's all going to go down. But if you're anywhere near the bay, you know you should definitely check it out. They're also going to have some special guests. Steve Rifle is going to be coming up for that. Uh there are some other people. I'll have a link in the show notes to the Facebook event page so you can check all that out yourself. Uh What else is coming up? G-Fest, July 11th, 12th, and 13th in Chicago, Illinois. Tons of guests, tons of stuff going on. I'll be there. I should mention that at this particular moment, I'm not exactly sure how the listener party is going to go because Saturday night is when I usually do the listener party. And Saturday night is also the night that the Akira uh, uh, Ifukube concert is going to be happening. So, that's sort of going to dovetail into the listener party. I'm not exactly sure. But I'll figure it out within the next month and, and have details up on the Facebook page about that. Uh, and then uh, something cool that was just announced... Ken Satsuma is going to be at Son of Monster Palooza, which is in Burbank. So, this is sort of like the offshoot, secondary, the fall show, essentially, of Monster Palooza. And that will be uh, the 12th, 13th, and 14th, I believe, of September. And I think they have some more guests planned for that as well. Check out the show notes for all that information. And that pretty much does it for this episode of the podcast. Pretty uh, awesome that we were able to get through all these together. Thank you, guys. All of you. Brian, Rachel, Lady Kyle. Thank you all for being on the show and helping me and saving my vocal cords. <laughs> uh, it's almost midnight. So... <laughs> let's wrap this show up. <laughs> if you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to kaijucast.com to see what we are all about. You can find every episode we've done, the list of Daikaiju discussion homework in the past and in the future, not to mention uh, articles, reviews. If you wanted to read my review on Godzilla, it's up there. We are going to go ahead and shut it down. We're going to play Monster Warning. That's the uh, Danny Marin video that uh, we read about earlier. And then we're going to close out the show with a jazzy song called Go Jazzra by Kyle Davis and the Wu-Tang Dan. So, until next month. Oh, my God. I can actually say month. Next <laughs> month. We will see you next time. Jamata.
1: Good evening, Danny Marine here with a News 14 special report. Our current monster watch has officially been upgraded to a monster warning. The now named monster, Giganodon, has been located and spotted in Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, Once again, we have been upgraded to a monster warning. Let's go ahead and take a look at the satellite view and as you can see, Giganodon is making a southern approach and is expected to make landfall within the next few hours. Uh, let's take a look at the radar, and here you can really see the immense size of the monster, maybe even a few flashes of radioactive breath there. You can see that the projected path has him coming on shore in Metairie near the Causeway Bridge. We can expect a magnitude 4 foot stomps, uh, tail gusts of 60 miles an hour, and radioactive breath with bursts of up to 450 degrees, and of course the feels like coming in at 600 degrees. Uh, Folks, this is an extremely well-developed monster. This one is not to be taken lightly. If you haven't evacuated already, now is a good time to do so. Uh, Once again, if you're just tuning in, we have been upgraded to a monster warning, and Giganodon is expected to make landfall within the next two hours. Uh, Let's go ahead and take it now live to our field correspondent, uh, Kevin Taylor, live in downtown Metairie. Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Danny. We're here live on uh, West Esplanade and South Causeway Boulevard. And, uh, as you can see, people have started evacuating, traffic's getting hairy. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm starting to be able to feel a little bit of footsteps and, uh, and what seems to be distant roars. But, uh, hey Kevin, nothing really uh, sorry uh, to interrupt. Here. Uh, we just got word that Gigantodon has increased in speed and will be making landfall momentarily. Uh, Kevin, you and Rick may want to think about getting out of there. Now that you mention it, I am starting to feel what the, the vibrations are getting a little more uh, uh, impactful. Uh, things are getting a little more loud, and the, the war's are God. God, it's huge! You-are you, you getting this? Rick, are you getting this? Oh my god. RUN! RUN! RICK, PUT DOWN THE CAMERA! okay ah! uh, Ke- uh, Kevin! Kevin! Okay, uh, we seem to have lost the feed, um... You you got it back? Let's go ahead and check back with them. Um, Okay, yeah, no, uh, um, nothing. Okay. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll check back with them uh, momentarily. I'm sure they got out of there just fine. Uh, They were running pretty fast. Um, In the meantime, keep it on News Channel 14 for any further monster updates and developments. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress.
5: that most of his friends are not huge Godzilla fans. Jason has been telling them to go see it, but downplayed his feelings. Now here on the Kaiju Cash, Kaiju Cast. <laughs> then I didn't think I'd screw that word up. What that would happen? <clears throat> Nothing. Hang on. <laughs> These girls started laughing. They threw me off.
3: Women.
2: <laughs> okay.
3: Sorry. So, now, I'm recording all of this for the supercut later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to...
4: Oh, I'm sorry.
2: Let's go. <sighs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> Maybe I will include
3: this at the end of the show.
2: <laughs> For anyone who oh decides God. to
3: stick around it after that jazz.
2: <laughs> oh, Kaiju Cash.
4: <laughs> Kaiju Cash. <laughs> it was funny. Kaiju cash.
2: I think
3: I've come up with our brand new currency, though. Kaiju Cash? You know.
4: yes. Or if Sean Connery was on the
5: show. Kaiju Cash. Okay. Oh, there, there's a You're listening me.
3: to the Kaiju Cash. <laughs> I'm Sean Connery, terribly acted, (laughs) and this is my Russian accent.
4: Oh, S-words. Okay. Sorry, you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. (laughs) Everything's fine. Okay.
3: I'm just going, so whenever you want to pick it up. Okay. It's all you, buddy.
1: (laughs) All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm sorry, I thought I did. I wasn't even looking. At you guys I looked over at him and he started. <laughs> oh, it's your fault.
3: That one was my fault because I wasn't <laughs> expecting Rachel.
6: To... <laughs> I looked at him and then all I could think of was him saying it again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Uh. Oh, it's the worst case of church giggles I've ever heard.
3: <laughs> okay. Oh,
4: can you church giggle?
6: Are <laughs> you? you can't. Can't.
3: <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go pee
6: real quick. Oh
3: god. <laughs> I don't want to contribute
6: to any more of this. We <laughs> all like oh, to look at each other. Kaiju church chur- giggles. Kaiju giggles? <laughs> kaiju church Kai giggles. Kaiju church giggles. Kaiju Kai Kai tr- church giggles. Kai tr- Kai tr- giggles. Kai tr- <laughs>
2: it's not.
4: Kaiju tr-
6: giggles.
4: <laughs> I like kaiju tr- giggles. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, it's been a really long time since i've done that